book of Genesis chapter number 5. Genesis chapter number 5. And I want to read some verses in chapter 5 and one verse in chapter 6. And I feel like maybe tonight may be, may be just a continuation partly of this morning. Uh, but this is what's on my heart. I tried to pray, seek the Lord. I felt pretty empty after the service this morning and really wondered whether or not I'd even preach tonight. And I don't know how much preaching I'll do. Uh, but this is the scripture and the thought that the Lord directed my heart to and allowed me to ponder on some things and put some things in my heart. And so I want to try by His help to give them to you and hope that they'll be a help and a blessing to you in the service tonight. Genesis chapter 5, let's stand together if you're able and willing to do so out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. I want to read a few verses here from chapter number 5. And one verse in chapter 6. In chapter 5, I'll begin reading in verse number 21. I made mention of this man this morning, uh, just in passing in the message, but the Lord began to draw my heart back to him today. Genesis chapter 5 and verse 21, the Bible said, And Enoch lived sixty and five years, and begat Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years, and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Then in Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 9. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, and perfect in his generations. And Noah... Walk with God. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. I want to preach tonight or deal with these two passages of Scripture on walking with God. Now, if I study my Bible correctly, these are the only two men in all the Word of God that it specifically says that they walked with God. Now, of course, you and I understand and know that there are many other people that accomplished many wonderful things, and it was because of their walk with God. We could talk about Abraham. The Bible said that Abraham spoke to God face to face like a man spoke to his friend. And so it's undoubted that Abraham walked with God. We could talk about Moses who went up on the mountain and saw God and received the tables of stone and it is undoubted that Noah walked with God that Moses walked with God that uh, Abraham walked with God we could go to the New Testament and look at the Apostle Paul and and the great works of God in his life and it's undoubted for us uh, to be able to say that Paul walked with God but in the scriptures as far as specifically making this statement about a man Enoch and Noah are the only two in the entire Word of God that it says they walked with God. Now there are some other people and references in the Scripture that would make the statement that they walked after God or they followed after God. And that's a wonderful statement 
are to be made, but the Bible is specific to say that Enoch and Noah walked with God. And the word with means they walked. It has a lot of meaning. It means that they walked near to God. It means that they walked in a relationship with God. It means literally that God and Enoch and God and Noah walked together with one another. Now we know that in the Garden of Eden, the Bible said that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk and talk with Adam. And really, if you take the language of the Scripture and everything is in the Bible for a reason, God chose to say not that they walked after Him or followed Him, but that they walked with Him. The language of the Scripture almost speaks like Noah and Enoch had as close of a relationship as could be had by fallen man as Adam had with God in the Garden of Eden. That they walked with one another. That they walked near to one another. And in studying the scripture and in looking at the days that both Enoch and Noah lived in, it would have had to have had what they had and accomplished what they accomplished. It would have had to have been that they walked near to God. For Noah to find grace in the eyes of the Lord and for God to give him a blueprint of a boat to save him and his family from the wrath to come out of all the people on the whole face of the whole earth. Eight people were saved because one man walked near to God. Because one man walked in a relationship with God. Now, I'm not going to be very long tonight, but I want to give you what the Lord's put on my heart. The Bible said they walked with God. The word walk also has many meanings. It means that they lived with God. That they, the word walk means to journey through life with God. That's what they did. The word walk means to go away with. And so God called them to come away from the world with Him. That's what God did, literally, in Enoch's case. The Bible said he was, and then he was not, for God took him. Enoch literally walked away from the world with God. And Noah, in relation, in the ark, he, because of his walk with God, he also walked away from the world with God. And that is what God desires for His people today is that we walk away from the world with Him. That we walk in a close, you can't have a close relationship with God and the world at the same time. It does not work in the life of the believer. And if we're going to walk with God according to the definition of the word at its root, we're going to have to go away from the world to walk with God. God called for His people to come out from among them and to go away from them with Him and walk with Him and not with the world. And I believe it's part of, as we preach this morning about having the power of God, it will hinge on your walk with God. Matter of fact, your walk with God is how you maintain the power of God. One old preacher, I don't even care, Brother Hanley Milby, Probably one of the most powerful, and I'm not talking about in the world. Now you say that in our day, 
that a preacher was powerful and they automatically go to their ability or their charisma and that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having the power of God and the discernment of the Spirit of God Probably one of the greatest powerful preachers I've ever known. And his statement was, the hardest thing for any child of God to do is to maintain their power with God. Because in order to do so, you've got to walk with God. The book of Amos said, can two walk together? That's what Noah and God did. That's what Enoch and God did. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And that's not that we're trying to bend God's will and agree with us, but we're going to have to live and walk in such a fact that we agree with God. And that's the only way you'll walk with Him is to be in agreement with Him. That there's nothing between us and Him. Now I'm not going to re-preach what I preached this morning. I appreciate the help of God. But the Lord began to deal with my heart about these two men. And other preachers can preach it however God deals with them about it, but I felt the Holy Ghost dealing in my heart to look at their names. Always in the Bible, names are of importance. They tell us something about the individual. And the Lord got to deal in my heart about the fact that these are the only two men in all the Word of God that it's mentioned that they walked with God. So I think we can learn some things from Enoch and Noah. The name Enoch means dedicated. And if you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to be dedicated. It's going to take dedication in the house of God to walk with God. Your your attendance in the house of God is important to your walk with God. It is a near impossibility for you to walk with God and not attend faithfully the house of God. Now I understand that there are circumstances, medical circumstances, that hinder many people. I understand. I'm not preaching about that. I'm talking about if you have the ability to be able to be in the house of God, to assemble together, it is a sheer impossibility for you to maintain your walk with God and forsake the assembling of the house of God. This is where we draw our strength from. This is where we get exhorted. This is where we get reproved at times and rebuked at times. And this is where God puts His finger on things in our life that stands between us and God. And so our dedication to the house of God in our attendance is important. But then I'll say it's not just about showing up at the house of God. But your participation in the house of God is important. Many people treat the house of God like it's just something to check off their list. We come to the house of God because it's Sunday. Check that off. We can sleep a little better at night. Get up on Monday. Forget everything that went on in the house of God. Matter of fact, the majority of people have done forgot what went on by the time they walk out the door and never give it a second chance, a second thought. It's because they were there in attendance, but they weren't there in participation. They were there in body, but they were not there in spirit. And we've got many people in the house of God that are that way. They're just there to be there, and they don't know why they're there. And they're, they're not there, even though they look, the shell of them is there, but they don't get any help, they don't get any strength, they don't draw any help together, they don't fellowship, they don't commune, and nothing goes on, and they walk out the door probably in worse shape than they came in. 
And so it's important to be dedicated in our participation. I'm not talking about coming in and just drumming up something. You know me better than that. But if you come in the house of God, we ought to engage in what God's doing among us. Our spirit ought to hook up at times with what God's doing. I understand we're not on the rafters all the time. I understand there are times that I walk out of the pulpit if I'll be, I mean, it's just us tonight. I'm real transparent. There are times I walk out of the pulpit and I think, what a mess. I mean, I just miss it. Or I don't have what I would like to have. Or it doesn't reach where I'd like for it to reach. I understand all that. But every now and again, when God passes by, your spirit ought to hook up with what's going on. And if it doesn't, I'd investigate further what's wrong with me. It's not that there's something wrong in there. Plenty of times that the blame lays on me. I'm not saying that. There are plenty of times I miss it. I'm human. I, I'm going to miss it. And I'd be, if you could see inside my heart and inside my mind, after I miss it or after I feel I failed in a service, you uh, I would understand a little more about what I'm talking about. It's, a, it's such a grief to me and I agonize over it and I have to come to the place uh, that I take the instruction of Paul. We just have to forget the things that are behind and reach forward. But all that that is before, we can't live in the past. It does grieve me and it does bother me but I can't let it hinder me we got to go on to the next service but when God gets to moving like he did this morning like he did last Sunday morning and your spirit can't ever hook up with what's going on inside the house of God there's a problem and the problem's not with the preacher and the problem's not with the church the problem's in you And I don't say that hatefully or meanly, but that's the reality. Our spirits are all of the same. If you're saved, the same spirit lives in you that lives in me. And His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. That means when His spirit's moving, my spirit hooks up with His spirit and your spirit hooks up with His spirit. And so because we are both bearing witness with His spirit, then we are bearing witness with one another as well. Now that's not in there in that language. I've heard people quote that, misquote that all my life. They say our spirits bear witness together. That's not what the scripture, my spirit doesn't necessarily bear witness with your spirit, but because his spirit's in you and his spirit's in me, then our witnesses both bear witness with his spirit and there becomes a common bond and a common link between us that we are the sons of God. That's how it works. And there's no other witness and there's no other spirit That if you're saved, there's no other spirit that that spirit living inside you will identify with but His spirit. And we got a lot of spirits in the world, but they're not all, there's only one Holy Spirit. John said in his day that the spirit of Antichrist doth already work. He said, even now are many Antichrists in the world. He said, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there's a true spirit and there's a false spirit. And there's a whole lot of people hooking up with a false spirit because they have a false spirit inside them. That's right. But only those who are born again and have the true spirit living in them will hook up with his spirit. And so it's important, our dedication to the house of God. But we can't stop there. We, have raised, we are in the, in the situation that we're in in the church world today because we've raised a generation majoring on four-wall Christianity. 
We've raised a generation and preached to them that all there is to be in a Christian is coming to church and that is the furthest from the truth. Christianity is not a Sunday morning thing that we put on like a coat and take off when we go home. And if you can do that with your salvation, then I'd get a real one. Because you can't do that with true salvation. Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. If you're in him, you can't get out. And if he's in you, he's not coming out. It's an eternal work. It's a perfect work. It's a finished work. He said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. That does not mean you won't fail and struggle and sin and come short. We're going to do that every day because we live in the flesh. He saved the inner man. We still live in this body of death. That's why Paul cried, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Paul hated himself. He hated his flesh. And we ought to do the same. We ought to do the same. But we can't just be dedicated at the house of God. We've got to be dedicated at home. When Monday rolls around, we ought to be as dedicated to God on Monday as we are on Sunday when we're in the house of God. That's where I, I believe that pastors, and I'll preach it to myself, I believe that's where many pastors have failed in, our, in this generation is we've majored on church attendance more than on faithfulness outside the house of God. And the reason that many have, and I'm not saying all of them, but the reason that many have majored on church attendance is it feels good to have a house full. But what good is it to have a house full if they're the same when they go out as they were when they came in? What's, what's good in having a house full if Monday uh, they can live like the world and Sunday they can change seemingly who they are and it's not real. It's a fake. It's a false. It's a put on. It's dead religion. Religion's the most horrible thing. I heard a preacher say that the worst thing about our generation is the old man got religious. And that's right. And the old man can get religious, make himself feel good, and it's a danger because religion has damned many a person to hell. That's right. And so walking with God, this is not religion that we're talking about. This is salvation. This is a personal walk with God. <coughs> and a walk with God has to be in dedication. But then I thought about, now I'll be done. I don't know if it's helped you or mean anything to you tonight, but this is what God put on my heart. Enoch's name means dedication. And if you're going to walk with God, it's going to take dedication. But it's not all up to us. We don't have our, we can't do this in our own power. You cannot resist your flesh in your own power. You're going to have to have the help of God. And so that's where Noah comes in. This is how the Lord put it on my heart. I know it's simple, but He said, look at their names. Enoch's name means dedication. I'm not here tonight preaching about lazy Christianity. There's no such thing. It's going to take work on your part, but you can't do it all in yourself, in your own strength. Noah's name means rest. Now, Bible rest and our understanding of rest are two different things. When we study the word rest in the Word of God, it means calm expectation. That's the words that are used. To be refreshed. That's the words used in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I'll refresh you. I will give you patient expectation. Calm. You're not struggling. 
trying to fight to make things happen. You just rest in Him and His ability. That's what rest means. When the Lord spoke to His disciples in the book of Mark chapter 6 and verse 31, I think it is, when they were going all about to and fro, and He told them to come apart and rest a while, we would think that He meant come lay down. He said, come and let me refresh you. That's what He wanted to do. It was a spiritual thing, not a physical. They did need physical rest, but it was a spiritual thing. Their spirits were low. They had got so tired that they were being defeated and discouraged. He said, you need to come apart and rest a while. In the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we are told that there is a rest for the people of God. And that word rest means a break from our troubles and our troubles. And that's what the Lord wants to give us. We can't go around all the time in our walk with God. It's not. There is a responsibility on our part. There should be some dedication, but we can't expect to go warring in our own power. We're going to have to have help from God. And that's what Noah did. He rested in the grace of God. The reason Noah was able to do, I've heard people say, and I understand partially the mindset. People say, well, I don't know how in the world Noah could have built a boat and got on board and left everybody else outside. Noah was resting in the grace of God. It was not up to Noah who got on board and who did not. It was up to God. And Noah had to rest in the grace of God. Noah had to rest in the fact that he was on board and the fact that he, he may not have understood why no one else was on board, but he knew that it was the grace of God that he, his wife, his sons, and their wives were on board. And he had to leave it at that. There's no way. There's no way that Noah could have spent a year on the ark. And we, we read the story and we talk to our kids and we make it seem like Noah's just on the boat for 40 days and 40 nights. It rained and the fountains of the deep were broken up for 40 days and 40 nights, but he was on the ark a little over a year waiting on the water to abate. Now can you imagine? Here he is on this huge vessel and as far as we know, there's only one window and one door and the door's shut and it cannot be opened. Even when it comes to rest on the mountain of Ararat, God does not, Noah can't open the door because God shut it. That's according to the scriptures. God shut him in. Not only did God shut him in, he shut everybody else out. You see, we have to balance our view of God. We have a world that wants to preach that God's love, 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 and he is. Thank God he is a loving God, but he is also a holy and a righteous and a just God. And the same God that shut Noah in, uh, grace shut them out in judgment. People make the statement, I don't know why I'm saying this other than I feel like I need to. I've heard it all my life growing up. And it's so debated. People say, well, God doesn't send anybody to hell. He does in His wrath over sin. He does. And I understand people make the argument, well, they send themselves to hell. But the reality is, God will pronounce judgment on them one day and say, depart from me. I never knew you. Be cast into the lake of fire. Because God's holiness demands judgment upon sin. And that's why when we get saved and the blood of Christ is applied to us, He doesn't view us in judgment because He's satisfied with the work of His Son. That's why the Bible said it pleased God 
to bruise him. He shall see of the travail of his soul and will be satisfied. And so Noah had to rest in the grace of God. We're not told in the scripture about all that Noah went through mentally. Noah was a human being. We're not told what all went on in his mind for that year's time. We are, at least in the scriptures, it appears that God spoke to Noah and told him to come in and did not speak to Noah again, or at least not it's recorded for us, until he said, go forth. And so I'm sure there were a lot of nights, just like there are for us, that Noah wondered about some of these things, but Noah had to rest in the grace of God. That's why we sung tonight, I don't think by any coincidence, through many dangers, tolls and snares, I have already come. It's grace that's brought me safe thus far, and it's grace that'll lead me home. That, was, that attitude is an attitude of resting in the grace of God. And if you're going to walk with God, knowing that we're going to encounter obstacles and trouble and persecution, and we have an adversary and the world's against us, the only way for you to do it Aside from your dedication, you've got to be dedicated. It takes responsibility on your part is to rest in the grace of God. That it'll be grace from start to finish. God did not make us a partaker of grace at salvation and then leave us without grace. If He had, we'd all be in a mess. But thank God He gives new grace and more grace Every day, His grace is always new. You get up in the morning, there'll be grace for that day that you didn't have yesterday. And there'll be grace for the next day that you don't have tomorrow. And grace and grace and grace. And we must rest in that grace. If we're going to walk with God, the flesh is going to get weak and weary. The flesh is going to battle against. There's a constant warfare Spirit that's in you, that's been made alive toward God, he wants to walk with God. That, that spirit man, and you'll not convince me any otherwise according to the scriptures, there's a perfect man living inside you that's created in the image of Christ Jesus, but he has to live inside an imperfect body. And that perfect man, that new man inside you, all he thinks about is walking with God. But the outer man... All he thinks about is how to get out of walking with God. How to do his own thing and please his self. That's what the flesh does. It pleases itself. And the flesh doesn't care what it has to do to get what it wants. And so that's why we have to die daily. That's why we have to mortify. The, we have to reckon the outer man dead. But thank God where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Paul said, does that mean that we sin so that we can get more grace? He said, no, God forbid. That's not what the Scripture is talking about. But it's talking about there is sufficient grace that though we live in a sinful outer man, the inner man, by grace, can walk with God. And I thought about, and I'm done, as I was reading through the Scripture today about Noah and all the things that were going on in his time. God made it real to me again and it dawned on me again 
that if Noah could walk with God in his day, I can walk with God in mine. If God's grace was sufficient for Noah to walk with him in his day, in all the things that were going on, then God's grace is still sufficient for you and I to walk with God in our day today. Regardless of what the White House does, regardless of what the Senate does, regardless of what the economy does, there is sufficient grace to walk with God. And I'll promise you, I don't know how many preachers I've heard over my life say, and it's true, and I'll say it tonight and be done. If you'll do your part, God will always do His part. And if you'll be dedicated, there'll always be grace sufficient for you to walk with God if you want to. That's just like we said this morning, this is a want-to thing. It's available for every child of God to walk with God, to step away from the world and walk near to God. It's a possibility for every child of God if you want to. But you're going to have to be dedicated and you're going to have to learn to rest. And the only way we learn is by the help of God. That's why it's important to come to the house of God. And then get instruction from the Word of God, through the man of God, to equip us to learn to rest. We're constantly learning to rest. It's hard to rest. The flesh wants to do what it wants to do. The flesh wants to take control. The flesh does not like the unknown. But we have to learn to rest in the grace of God. And we may not understand it all. We may not be able to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and figure it all out. It may not work out on paper, but the grace of God is sufficient for us to walk with God even in our day. I hope maybe it's been a help to you. Lord, I thank you tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to be able to gather together in the house of God with your people. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege, Lord, that it's been to be 